0: Shields and you're listening to the cozy sleuth. Today, Snoops and Sleuths, we're chatting with author Julie Seedorf. Did I get that right, Julie? Oh, you did. You did. Very good. Yay. We're chatting with author Julie Seedorf about her books and all things cozy. Julie, would you like to introduce yourself to my Snoops and Sleuths? Sure.
1: I'm Julie Seedorf. I'm an oldster. I got started at this late in life. Um, I believe it was a gift from God because of the way I got started, and I believe my deceased grandmother, uh, and we can get into that later, had a big part in me getting published. I have um, three cozy series. One is called the um, Fuchsia Minnesota Series, and uh, we've got a crazy granny in there, over-the-top granny, just a silly, silly series to take people out of the world and things like that, and then the Brilliant series, Brilliant Minnesota, Fictional Brilliant, is 20 miles from Fuchsia, and um, it's a totally different type of cozy mystery. Um, there's a puzzle to be solved, and of course, a murder, but the big part of that is a puzzle, and I have a new series out called the Whistle Stop Series, and it's an ode to my hometown. Um, I am a mother, grandmother, wife, um, I, I used to own my own computer repair business, uh, jack-of-all-trades. I get bored. Easily. Well, I don't get bored. I just like to try new things. So uh, I think that covers it, maybe. And I dream a lot. I'm a big dreamer. Wow. Well, you like to keep busy, don't you? I do. I have a hard time relapsing, unfortunately. Um when I have a day when I don't have anything planned, I get very anxious, which is strange. I'm supposed
0: to be retired, you know, so uh, I haven't quite got into that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so is any of your writing inspired by your actual life?
1: Uh, yes and no. Um, I think my first series, Fuchsia, the Fuchsia series and Granny Hooks the Crook, um, you know, I, I had a time where I was ill, very depressed. Uh, that's when I started writing, feeling very frustrated. I, you know, all, all my life I've lived by all the rules that we're supposed to live by, you know, and um, done the things that I'm supposed to do. And I think my first book and, and the whole entire piece, the series probably came out of the frustration of not letting myself be who I really am. The overtop um, you know, I, I've I looked at society and, you know, drive around. We have all these uh, gray, beige houses. I grew up in a pink house. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like pink houses. Fuchsia has a lot of pink houses. And then I was tired of the way, as I was getting older, I was tired of the way old people were being characterized. You know, if you saw a, a commercial for old people a few years back, All about depends, and life was over, and all of those things. So, I and I had a mother um, who, you know, when she was 90 years old, I'd get a call and say, Do you know your mother is climbing up on the top of her roof, fixing her roof? I and I, I had a mother that believed that she wasn't old and there's nothing she couldn't do. And so, I think my character, Granny, is a little like her, but also. Granny kind of led the same life all the years. She raised her family. Um, there's a whole backstory to growing up with her parents and things like that. And and finally she's old and it's like, I'm not gonna listen to my kids. I'm I'm gonna live my life. And so I think that part of my books is a little like my own life. Otherwise, um, except for my last series that I just started, it's about a small town. Growing up in a small town, it's not uh, as silly as my other books. It, it's pretty rooted. In fact, I'm not even sure you could call it a cozy mystery, but it's a mystery. It um, doesn't have anything gruesome in it. But it's about a woman that um, leaves Chicago. She's a carpenter. Her dad closes, sells his business, and she fell in love with small-town Whistlestop and this Victorian house that she decided to uh, fix up but she'd never been in a small town before. Now I've lived in a small town all my life. And unless you live there, it's hard to understand. Angel in, in um, a small town can be murder, hashtag murder. She's not used to everybody knowing what she's doing and people showing up to offer their help before she even knew she needed their help. And I think that part is a lot like me too. But otherwise, Maybe my characters are who I would like to be.
0: Yeah, I understand that part with writing. I'm a writer, too, and a lot of my characters are, like you said, what I'd like to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes we can't be that way in real life, so we put it into our writing. And I've never thought I'm a funny person until I wrote these books. And um, my first two series are funny. and I think it came out of I needed something to get me out of my depression and I started writing the first book on my blog and every morning I woke up with the next chapter in my head and that's why I call and then getting published was such a fluke Um, and that's why I call it a gift from God because I never had any intention of sending anything I wrote in Um, I did it To help me, to save me, to be able to learn to... I wasn't dreaming anymore. I was so rooted in reality. I'd lost the art of dreaming. And I I always believe if your dreams die or you quit dreaming, something inside of you dies too. So any advice for those who want to write their own cozies or write in general? Do you know, I didn't even know I wrote a cozy when I wrote the cozy. (laughs) I didn't, I had never heard of Cozies, actually, and uh, the only reason, you know, I I was reading a book and thought it sounded like mine, and I looked up the publishing company, and that's how that all got started. I think it, writing Cozies, um, I love reading Cozies, I, I love my Cozy writer friends. Advice, I would say, go with your gut, be yourself, do it your way. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, you have to adapt, but just write what's in your heart and let yourself dream. You know, cozies um, do not have a lot of violence and, um, you know, graphic sex or, or any of that type of thing. And so I think for a lot of people, that might be an easier thing for them to write. I don't, I don't know, but I would say
0: start writing.
1: That's all you can do. Just start, just put that first sentence on a
0: piece of paper. I agree that just sit down and write. Though it seems like the easiest thing to say, it can be the hardest thing to do sometimes, but it's so worth it to do.
1: Well, and you know, I think it isn't necessarily hard to do the writing. I mean, it is hard to do the writing, to sit down and do it, but I think we defeat ourselves because if you're not a writer and you want to write, and you sit down and say, well, I'm not any good at this, so I can't do this. So there's your, your first defeat. And the other problem a lot of times if you're a new writer, and I know this, this happened to me, and it still does, is that you don't want anybody else to see it. But you can't get published if nobody else sees your work. And the other part of that is you really need people to critique your work so that you can become better at it. Now, there's a couple different kinds of critique there. There's, you know, um, if you go online and and you read reviews, reviews are good or bad. And some of the bad reviews really sometimes make sense. People are giving a constructive, um, account of how they felt about your book and what you could do to improve it. <laughs> Excuse me. There are others that give an account, they just destroy you before uh, for no reason without saying, this, I didn't like your book because of this and maybe you could improve it by doing this. there's There's two different sides of that. <clears throat> so if you're a writer and you're just starting out, um, especially if you just have your first book out, that can literally
0: destroy you if you're not ready for that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I released one of my first books. Wow, I can't believe it was 10 years ago. Um, it wasn't a cozy, but I looked, I got one of my first reviews on it, and it was a one-star review that came with the words, this is a crime against literature. I almost gave up writing at that point. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I, I have a
0: favorite bad review,
1: um, and I think it came it came for Granny Hooks the Crook, and it was a one-star review, and this woman said, you shouldn't have quit your day job. This woman has, talking about me, uh, this woman has scrambled eggs for brains, and she writes like Dr. Seuss, and she meant that to be bad, and I loved it. I thought, oh, I love this. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to like it, but I, I did and i think I think that's so true. We let ourselves become discouraged, but if you look at your reviews, you can have a hundred good reviews, and then that one or two or three or four or five bad reviews comes come in, and that's what we focus on now if again the criticism is good because i I will say you know I can tell the difference in my writing from granny Hooks at first. Until my latest one, and I have kids' books out there too. And I, and now going back, um, I can see the mistakes in the beginning books and the things that got past the editors and how I could have worded it better. Um, So you just have to accept that your first book probably is not going to be as good as your tenth or twelfth book. But then, in that, especially when you're writing a series, there's always this theory part that well maybe this book isn't going to be as good as the book i had before and i'll really get zinged so i think new writers need to accept that you're always going to feel that anxiousness and you have to give yourself a break because um everything's not
0: always going to be perfect but just keep on going yeah that's great advice too so do you have a favorite character, or would you get in trouble with your other characters? Well,
1: maybe. Um, my <laughs> characters in, in both series, are, are and, and in my last series, too, but um, my last series, I, how about if I pick a favorite character in each series?
0: In my that future works.
1: series, of course, Granny is my favorite. Her, her real name's Hermione, Vidalia, Cryony Fiddlestaff. And, you know, the Vidalia, her mother happened to like onions at the time that she was naming her. Um, So, and she's cantankerous and sometimes she's mean and she's shifty, but she's loving and she's crabby and she likes to put things over on her kids because in the first book, they want to put her into, um, she calls it the wrinkle farm. (laughs) <laughs> um, because she's she has a few memory problems, but that's all contrived so that she can fool her kids and so, um I have a second character in that book that's all of her friends are are, are just weird and strange, weird and strange things happen in this town. but eventually, after you go a long while, you meet Silas, and he's just as scratchy as Granny is, and uh, the two of them together make make quite a pair. Um, and You know, character-wise, Granny will seem very superficial in the first book, but as you go along, you find out why she is the way she is, what happened to her in her past, and the same with the other characters. Um, My second series, really, now, Jezebel is the main character, and you would think she would be my favorite, but um, I have to think, boy, I can't pick a favorite from that one because each character is so unique in that. Maybe Mr. Warbler is one of my fun characters. Um, he lives across the street from Jezebel, but they all have different, different characteristics. And of course in, in, my, um, in my, um, my last series, which is, is more serious, I have to say the main character Angel is my favorite, but again, there's an old lady in there that she runs into, and uh, it will become more important as the series progresses. And I kind of like her too. I have this love for old old people. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> because I'm old and I want to be like them, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I have a little. I'm a little partial to old your books
0: sound your characters sound great
1: yeah i love my characters you know it's interesting because they do things i don't even know they're going to do and <laughs> you know and people when i first started writing um you know i i and i still do i write by the seat of my pants i'm a panzer but um then i was accepted you know i i got offered a contract with cozy cap press and the interesting thing about that is then I started listening to all these other writers. And since I hadn't ever planned on becoming a writer, um, I really hadn't paid much attention to how other people write. And all they were doing all these plotting and all these notes and all these notebooks. And I thought, oh, I am doing this wrong. So I tried to do the outline. I tried to do all those things that you're supposed to do as an author. And it totally stifled my creativity. So I just had to toss that out and decide I I have to do it the way I do it. And if it works, fine. You know, if it doesn't, and my characters do things that I will be writing. And all of a sudden, something will happen. And I have to stop because I have no idea why that character did what they did. And so um, I think in real life, my favorite people are the people that, push the boundaries or are unique and don't follow the crowd and just have interesting personalities. Um, They're my my favorite people. You know, back when I was growing up, they'd tell you, oh, you don't want to hang out with that person because they're, you know, they're bad news. But, you know, what I found over the years is I really like those bad news people because a (laughs) lot of times they're "Hmm, who they let you know who they are um who you see is really that person they don't hide under some persona you know i always call it the church look you know you can go to church and you're prim and proper and then you come out of church and you have a totally different person and the people i seem to really love are the unique people that are who they are in and out of um the same space and i think. That's what I bring to my characters. They're flawed.
0: They're very flawed. And that's, that's a great thing with characters because a lot of people tend to, when they first start writing or even say they publish their first book, they'll sometimes make their character that is, okay, this is the good guy. He's got to be the good guy at all times. Well, that makes for a boring character.
1: Well, it does. And, you know, if you think about it, we really aren't like that. You know, in real life, we may present that to the world, but, you know, somewhere there's a flaw inside of us. And I think that's part of humanity is accepting the fact that each one of us has something quirky inside of us that we keep hidden. And at some point, it's got to come out um, or you're not going to be living a happy life authentic life and I I think that's what happened to me for you know for a long long time I I, you know I've worked a lot of jobs in my life I've done a lot of things I've worked as an activities director in a nursing home and I've worked as a waitress and I've owned my own computer repair business and you know on and on I've done a lot of volunteer things was busy with my kids and looking back I realized that I just, I, you know, I actually never ever applied for a job. I was always offered jobs, and I always took those jobs because I thought I'd be looking a gift horse in the mouth if I didn't. But looking back, taking those jobs wasn't really who I who I was. I just did it because I thought I was supposed to. And I I think there's a lot of that in life. And now I remember why I started that sentence, but. Um, you know i i I think you have to carry that into your characters um too if you're not happy with what you're doing i think we hide all of us we hide it so much that all the stress that's going on in our world besides the virus and all that some of it is because we let life tell us or we let others tell us who we're supposed to be and we don't think it's okay to be who we are because we want to be accepted and i think i spent my life wanting to be accepted
0: yeah yeah i i agree with that that's that's really insightful actually well thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know when i'm this old you got to learn a little bit about yourself
0: (laughs) (laughs) so do you have an author that's influenced your writing um
1: you know i just asked that question last week i i don't have one author that's influenced my writing. Depends on what you mean about influenced my writing. Um, you know, I love Claire Cook. And I think she's influenced where I want to go. You know, she wrote Must Love Dogs and she's got um the Wild Water Walking Club and Wild. Oh, I'm really bad at names, but she she writes such insightful things about becoming older and the transitions in life and things that happen when you get older. So I, I have a book in the works about that. Um, Alan Eskins writes, he's a New York Times bestselling author, and he writes thriller and crime, and uh, I know him personally. And he actually has influenced me because he's the one that got me into sisters and crime, and, and um, you know, I I don't see him much um, we're not basties or anything like that, but I know I can go to him if I actually need some advice. So his books have influenced me because um, he's such a good writer that I it makes me wonder if I have it in me to do more. And then um, I love um, um, J. T. Ellison. You know, I love the thrillers. So, and I I have to tell you, I really don't have favorite author because it's the book I'm reading at you know at the time but if inf- anybody who's influenced my writing it's been my grandchildren yeah. and I'll tell you why because uh, when I first started writing I never wanted to write anything that if they picked the book up and said oh grandma wrote this when they were 8 or 10 years old and they opened it up because they could read they would see any words or anything in there that was anything different than what I was telling them they shouldn't be doing. You know, it's not allowed, and their parents don't allow them to use bad language. So I didn't want them to pick up a book that there was bad language. And they said, well, Grandma, you know, we're not supposed to talk like this. Why are you writing this? And um, in fact, I had a step my step grandson at the time. He said to me, why do you have to murder someone? And I mean, I gave that a lot of thought. So I guess I have to say those beings influenced my writing. So my readers influence my writing because, number one, I want everybody to be able to read my books. I, to, to pick them up and feel good when they come away. I had a friend, and uh, my best friend, she's no longer with us. But when she would pick up a book with swear words in it, she would wipe them out because they they so offended her, you know, and I, I don't know if they offend me because I certainly read a lot of books with them. But it's not something I'm never gonna write. That's that's great. Just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, but I just I happen to agree with you on that opinion. and um, I'm kind of the same way. I'll I'll what I write my, my mom is like my biggest PR person because I self published. Okay, and, good, good. Well,
1: and, and I self published my second series too.
0: Oh. I,
1: I, I'm kind of in and out. My third series, I've got different publishers. I, you know, I love self publishing.
0: Yeah, but anything that she can get fully behind and cheer on, I'll never write anything that she can't. Like I said, yeah. we'll get behind and say, you've got to read this book. My daughter wrote it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and like I said, I love thrillers and gritty books. But even if I wrote a thriller, I, don't, I, I couldn't use those words. And so I probably will never, ever write one. Um, love reading them. Although I, I have to say this, when I read them, and I read those words, and I just kind of go over because I don't talk like that in real life. Um, you know, I, I don't. I try not to use bad language. Um, I often wonder why we need those words, but yet I guess it does add add to the story. But then I picked up books where I closed them right away because that's all that's in there too. And yeah, I, I guess I'm just. A G-rated girl. (laughs) I grew up, you know, where they had the legions of decency and we couldn't go to see movies. (laughs)
0: movies. (laughs) (laughs) B-movies. Yeah, well, I'm kind of the same way. There was one book that in ways qualifies as a cozy, but when one of the characters used a certain word talking to a cop, of all people, I basically slammed the book shut and never picked it up again. Well, you know, cozies are changing, I think. Um, Yeah.
1: I've noticed that this year in a lot of the discussion groups that I belong to, people are really pushing the boundaries with them, and I I don't like that neither, and I don't think our readers will like that. I think they'll do the same thing as you do, because the reason a lot of people read cozies is it's a good mystery, and they they don't have to put up with the graphic violence and the graphic sex and um you know that's not what they want in a book and so if you start inserting those things into cozies i think you're going to lose a lot of readers i i had a case where i i did a group mystery and it was just fun each one of us wrote a chapter and um i i was chapter 17 getting towards the end of the book, and and the publisher was sending us a chapter as each one was written, you know, and it was going along, and I was thinking, this is a good book, and then someone wrote a chapter where they had a gun battle, right before my chapter, I mean, they had a big, huge shootout, and I thought, no, you can't do that in a cozy, no, and our, our publisher, you know, I don't know, she, they obviously didn't Either read it or what. And so I had to think long and hard, and I actually turned it into firecrackers going off, and just um, they maybe thought they would heard gunshots because that's a big no no, too. Now I have a friend that writes for a big uh, company for cozies, and they told me that guns are not allowed in their cozies. So um, I think it depends on the publisher, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. That the publisher has a lot of say in what goes into the cozy books, which is partly why I like self-publishing because you're the publisher and you have say of what goes in your book.
1: <laughs> well, and it's interesting you say that because um, you know I my first series is is with Cozy Cat Press and and uh, they're they're fine I mean they're a wonderful press. I don't mean it like that. And then my third series, I went to Skybridge Publishing, and they're fantastic. Um, my second series, I I decided to do on my own. And yeah, you're right, because if I want to put something on sale, I put it on sale. If I want to, you know, it's if I want to see how I'm doing with my books, I can look. You know, if I want to change something, I can change something. And I happen to really love that. Um, I'm not sure where my next books are going to go because I don't know if I'm going to do it myself. Now I, I I have to um, my my next book in my um, fuchsia series, which will be my last one. Probably will have to go back with my um, with cozy cat press. But I like that
0: freedom. So. How are you and your family coping with the pandemic? Not to change subjects all of a sudden. <laughs>
1: I change subjects. Um, it depends. I, it, at home, it's just my husband and I, and we pretty well are not doing a heck of a lot. Um, masks are not really. It's gotten better with people wearing masks, um, but we, you know, I've found I really like. Uh, curbside pickup for groceries and I'm kind of I'm I'm enjoying I'm never bored because I like to do watercolor painting and I like to do crafts and I like to write and I like to read and uh, I love to binge watch series programs murder mysteries on tv so for me being home has been fine and my husband too um we've had did some social distancing on on our outside porch, so winter's going to be, go back to last winter. I miss seeing my children. Uh, My children have came down this summer, they social distanced on the porch, except for my son and his kids in Iowa because they've got so much COVID around there. They don't want to infect us. And my kids in the cities are, my daughter works at a college, she's a pastor at a college, and uh, my son, lives up in another part of the city so there's a lot of COVID around where they're at. And so they don't want to come near us. My son said, you know, I would, I would feel horrible if I brought something to you and you died. So, we're coping well, but yet when I think to holidays, I'm not sure what that's going to look like again this year because we missed the holidays last year because of snowstorms. So we weren't able to all get together. And then my grandkids had um, so many things going on at school. They weren't able to come and people got sick. This was before COVID. So we never had a holiday last year. I still have Christmas presents sitting in my living room from last year. so. you know, my, my town has come together well. Small towns are wonderful. My neighbors take care of us. So yeah, okay. <laughs> I get involved in a lot of discussion online though. I am kinda of mouthy. Gently mouthy <laughs> though. Gently. Gently. Meaning I don't like people attacking people. I I like having conversations as long as we
0: can have a conversation that's civil. Yeah. Actually, your your life sounds a lot like mine with the with the pandemic. I'm busy with writing. I've my I've got my mom and my dad that we like to watch T V. We're we're not very in a lot of ways it didn't affect how my life changed yeah. and all that, but in some huge ways, like I don't see my friends as often. If, as yeah, often, and, if ever,
1: or and and that's it, you know, I do a lot of zoom and things like that. um the friend thing is i I do miss people. I have a friend that was twenty miles away, and we did get together a little bit this summer outside social distancing, but i do I do miss that, and uh, like i said i I miss having people over for dinner um things like that but then the other part of that is we were so busy going to um oh a lot of there were a lot of things going on with grandchildren and things like that and in a way it's just given us time to sit you know sit back and i have a husband that has short-term memory loss so it's just easier for us to stay home um because sometimes you forget to social distance but there's been a piece in being at home to to sit in the silence we we don't take time to sit in the silence so much and even when we you're retired and as old as we are um you're busy you're you're just busy and so it's, it's been a peaceful time but my kids you know now everybody's going back to school so that's been a real i think it's such a stress for our younger people yeah so and we know people who died of COVID. So uh,
0: yeah, yeah. So wow, I've seen. Normally, I try for a 15-minute show. We've gone a half hour. Oh, I'm good
1: at talking. Let me tell you.
0: Which is <laughs> great. It hey, those who talk make my show so much easier to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I do have one last question. Any closing words of advice for my listeners? Yeah, you know, dream.
1: When we get to, and play. When we get to be adults, we forget to play. Um, in, my new, in, in my new book that I'm writing, it's going to be called The Joy Killer. Uh, one of the things that starts out with Nell, um, the main character who is an adult one day she just goes out and makes snow angels in the snow and she realizes how happy that makes her and I think when we become adults and if you read my kids books that's what they're all about it's about grandma it's about grandma gets lost and the kids have to find her and then what she does is she shows them who she used to be as as a child and I think that's so important to to pass that down to our kids, they see us as old and wrinkly. And they need to know who we were when we were younger. And I wish I knew that about my grandparents. But in that, she, she tells them that she learned so much from them. She learned how to play again. She learned how to dream again. She learned to see the beauty in a flower and in the smallest things. So I guess my advice would be, Look at small children and their wonder and their awe in the world and take the time just to sit and be silent and to dream and to play a little bit and find that wonder in your life again because it's there. Even on the worst days, it's there. It might just be a small pebble, but it's there. My, my friend, Jan, who, who died of uh, ovarian cancer, she had it for 24 years, and one day I said to her, How do you do it? Because she kept on going. And she said, you get up in the morning, you take one step. And even if that's all you can do, you took one step. Give yourself credit for that. So pull out the child in you and have
0: some fun. Oh, that's great advice. Thank you. (laughs) Well, snoops and Sleuths, you've heard another great interview here on the Cozy Sleuth. I'd like to thank my patron, Regina, for becoming a guiding clue and helping us meet our goals of staying commercial-free and growing. I'd also like to thank my coffee clutch for helping us meet our goals of designing a new logo uh, a new logo for our mer- up-and-coming merchandise. If you want to be like Regina and have your name mentioned on the air and thanks, join us on patron.com slash sleuth and become either a guiding clue, a small-town sleuth, a clever sidekick, or a Sherlock Holmes. Or, for a one-time contribution, become part of my coffee clutch. Details will be in the show's notes. As always, you can find us on Twitter, at The Cozy Sloop. Until next time, this is Leanna Shields saying, keep cozy!